Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians, and they are a fascinating bunch of people. It'll be a great time, and I hope you can handle it. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. Today's special guest is a world-renowned tango instructor and DJ. A mainstay of the New York City tango scene, he has taught in multiple cities in the U.S. and abroad. He's known for his humor and very down-to-earth teaching method. And with me now is the one and only Robin Thomas. Robin, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. You're very welcome. (laughs) All right. Okay, just to jump into things again, uh, can you describe the moment when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? Well, I can tell you when I knew that tango was going to be, yes, my life and my job. Uh Because I used to be a professional photographer Uh and I would work for, I was work freelance for magazines, Mm -hmm. taking pictures of celebrities and business people and but then after I'd been doing that for about 12 years mm-hmm. I think wow I found tango and I became absolutely obsessed with it <laughs> very very quickly wow and it got to the point where I would well, I was doing tango and I began to be offered, occasionally be offered little jobs, mm-hmm. teaching private lessons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I would turn down $50 or $500 jobs for a magazine for $50 private lessons. Wow. This is in 2000, uh-huh. 2001 maybe. Okay. And, uh, and one day the photo editor of Time Magazine um called me and asked me if I wanted to do a photography job mm-hmm. for them. And I said, oh, I'm busy that day. <laughs> and this was, the third th- this was the third time in a row that I'd said that to them mm-hmm. because there was some tango thing I wanted to do. Right. And he said, Robin, you don't want to be a photographer anymore, do you? <laughs> and I don't know how he, I don't know how he knew that, that that was true. And I didn't even know that that was true. I couldn't have admitted that to myself mm. before. Mm. But when I told him that, yes, you're right, I don't, that's whenever I knew that tango was going to be my life. And it has been since then. That was 17 years ago. Wow. Wow. So when you first became introduced to tango, was it on a photography job? No. I, that's another, that's a long, do you want to hear that's another long story? Sure. Sure. Are you ready for that? I'm ready for that. So I was, I was married to this Russian woman. Okay. And went to this Russian restaurant in Brighton Beach, which is mm. a Russian section of yep. New York City. Yeah. And there was a band playing. And after dinner, she said, okay, let's dance. And I said, I don't know how to dance. And she <laughs> said, what do you mean? Like, everybody dances. Mm. And she backled me. And we were doing some kind of waltz box step and we did that to every kind of music that the band played. Okay. And so, and I loved it. I absolutely loved following. Oh, wow. And so I just started, we started dancing all the time 
and we started dancing on doing this one box step where she would back lead me to salsa music. Oh wow! And I would get very excited. I would get very <laughs> excited, and I would start leading. Uh-huh. And then one day I was walking down the street, and I saw a sign saying salsa classes, and I didn't know that you could actually learn how to dance salsa. I thought it, you just had to be born that way or something. Oh, you had to be born yeah. in Cuba or Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and. So I started taking salsa classes, mm-hmm. and then I became obsessed with all kinds of dance, and I saw that at the places where they taught salsa, they also taught tango. Oh. And when I went to the tango class, I just fell in love with the music. Nice. I was much more, much more drawn to that music mm-hmm. and to that way of moving than I was to any other dance. Okay. Wow. So can you describe your very first dance at a milonga? What, what was that like? I'm not sure that I can actually <laughs> describe that. Okay. I can tell you the first time I held a woman close embrace. Okay. They were teaching that in uh, one of the classes I took to. I took, and I was so uh, startled that I could feel the texture of some woman's bra next to my chest. She <laughs> was very, very. Uh, shocked that yeah. I was experiencing that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny to think that that so it's so normal to me now. It's so normal to all of us, right? And uh, but I remember whenever it was a surprise to me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that was in a class. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of our listeners, Robin, um, they're new to tango. And they are very quickly falling in love with the dance, and I'm sure you can identify with that. And they're just starting to come to milongas and other social events, but they're still quite nervous. And other than observing basic customs such as you know, floor craft and, and using cabaseo, what advice would you give those listeners to help make their milonga experiences more enjoyable? Yes. Well, okay, to make them more enjoyable, but to make them more enjoyable, mm-hmm they would probably want to be more confident. Okay. And if they are if they are leaders, mm-hmm. then I would suggest that they learn to follow. Ah. And if they learn to follow, they will discover that sometimes less is more. Mm. And that they don't need to know a lot of steps in order to be comfortable and entertaining for their mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, that would benefit beginning leaders. Um, for beginning followers, I think it's very important that they understand that no is always an acceptable answer, Mm -hmm. that if they don't want to dance with somebody, they should say no, and that it's normal to dance only one set with somebody. Mm -hmm. If they want to dance more, they can, but they never have to dance more than that. And if anybody's ever making them feel uncomfortable, they should stop in the middle of a set. And Mm -hmm. that's absolutely fine. And they don't need to explain. Um, Making them more comfortable. (laughs) That they don't need to, that they don't need to, uh, that they enjoy themselves more. If some, they don't need to apologize for being a beginner because we were all beginners. Mm-hmm. And if somebody asks them to dance, it's because they want to dance with them. Yeah. Yeah. And they shouldn't think that anybody is doing them a favor whenever they dance with them. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I like that. Good. So what's some really good or memorable, memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers that 
that really still resonate with you? There was, I can tell you some advice that I got when I really, really wasn't ready for it. Okay. And years and years and years later, I can appreciate it. Okay. So there was um, a very famous teacher, or a pair of teachers in Buenos Aires called mm-hmm. Los Dinzel, Rodolfo and Mary Dinzel, I think. Okay. I can't remember her name. But they had a studio in Buenos Aires, and I was there in 2000. And it wasn't really a class, it was a practica. Okay. But they would give you exercises to do, which were very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was, I was very adamantly Mr. Tosin Brace, and I only do Ocho Cortado, and oh. I only do a few steps, and everything was very rhythmic. Okay. And in this tiny room where the practica was, mm-hmm. there were these couples dancing really big and really wild to uh, Piazzolla music. Ah. And that was really, really foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And I was given advi- lots of advice by Rodolfo Dinzel's assistants. Okay. And then finally Rodolfo came up to me and he said, what you need to do is you need to take really long steps lower than the music. And I could not understand that at all. I could not understand why I would go slower than the music. And and I was so proud of myself for being Mr. Milongero and I was Mm. taking little steps. Uh So it didn't didn't fit in with what I thought my tango should be at the time. But what he meant was, well, if you dance slower than the music, you can create tension and you can do very, very simple things just with a side step uh-huh. and a forward step. And especially if it's big, if you take a slow, short step, yeah. it's not very dramatic. If you take a big step, just a side step, it's dramatic and it can work without music. Mm. And so that could have been my way to dance in that room, but I could not appreciate it at that time. Oh. <laughs> So at what point did, did it click for you? That might have clicked about 10 years later. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you some advice that I did, that I, that I got when I was ready for it. Okay. I used to take uh, privates with this uh, Argentine woman uh-huh. called Susana Miller, mm, yes. who I owe a lot to. And... Uh, she would teach me a turn to the right and a turn to the left. Okay. And then we would dance in the apart in the living room of the apartment mm-hmm. where she was staying. And depending on where the furniture she was, she would say, okay, turn to the left, turn to the right. And she made me understand uh-huh. that where you go, the move that you do next is dictated by the music and the space around you. Oh. So there's a, there's a chair on my right side. So I turned to the left. There's a table on my on my left side. So I turned to the right. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, it's the benefits of dancing in an apartment. That's that's great. Yeah. So how did how did you yourself start teaching? Can you describe that journey? I can. Two thousand. Mm-hmm. The year two thousand and two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Very 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 few people were dancing close embrace mm-hmm. in. New York City. And there was even a class at one of the studios called Close Embrace, where they still didn't dance in the Close Embrace. (laughs) But somehow I really gravitated 
towards that. Mm. And I had this partner who mm. called Jennifer Bratt, who yep. later became Maymella's partner, the mm-hmm. mother of Maymella's children. And uh, we loved dancing in a close embrace, and we wanted to teach people to dance like us so uh. that we would have more people to dance with. Mm-hmm. And so we started teaching at the Museum of Natural History, which mm. is where she worked. Okay. And we started teaching employees of the Museum of Natural History in this giant room. Wow. There was only like five of them. Mm-hmm. And we started teaching there for free. Nice. Then a few months later, I was invited to teach at this studio called Empire Dance, mm-hmm. which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And for the first two months, maybe only either nobody showed up for classes or two people showed up for classes. <laughs> and so they wouldn't pay us. So again, we taught for two months for free. Wow. And basically we taught for very, very, very little for quite a few years. Mm. And then finally the, the classes got quite big and finally they started paying us a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Nice. Wow. At the Natural History Museum, what a great place to dance. <laughs> yeah. So nowadays, while you're teaching, um, very often we, we have students who are perfectionists, and that can be a double-edged sword. So how do you, um, how do you help students work through perfectionism? Well, there, I did happen to teach a private lesson today with this mm-hmm. woman who's really good at working hard on her technique. Mm-hmm. And... She is, and she looks nice when she dances, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't really, really listening to the music, Mm. and she was thinking about her technique all the time, Mm. and what she wasn't doing was she wasn't really connecting with the music and with me, Mm -hmm. and so normally we work on quite technical things. It's great to do that, Mm -hmm. but... Today, for most of the class, we just danced and really focused on being, on connecting. Mm-hmm. So I think the connection always is more important than uh, technique. And so whenever you said perfectionism, mm-hmm. that would make me think of technique. Because ah. you work on a perfect connection, that's pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's really that's really good. We, we get so focused on on a technique that we forget oh, there's another person we need to connect with on, on that dance floor. Yeah. 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 So how do you keep challenging yourself, Robin? Uh, I keep taking classes. Mm-hmm. I take classes a lot. Yeah. Um, I like at all the festivals where I DJ, I always take classes. Mm-hmm. I was in Buenos Aires this summer and took classes. Nice. Um, I should take more private. That's what mm-hmm. I really need to do. Uh-huh. One other thing that I that I do, which I guess I got from taking classes with Chicho, is I do mm-hmm. try to think about what I I normally do and what normally happens when we dance. Like mm-hmm. we do a sidestep, we very often do this thing after it, yeah. or we very often do this turn and end it in this way. Mm-hmm. So I have been working since I since I started my practica. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I've been working on trying to do things that I don't do, things that are that are different from what most people do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when they're dancing with people, they say nobody else does that. Ah. And uh, that's 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 crack 
for me. That's mm-hmm. what I really love doing is things that people were not expecting and uh, have never done before. Wow. Um, but then I did that for a year and I realized that I wasn't dancing to the music as much oh. and I wasn't connecting to my partners. I, I got obsessed with all this new material that I was developing. Mm. And so now I'm also, uh, one night a week I go to a month, well, more than one, but like if I go to a Malanga and yeah. I'm not working, then I'm really trying to be connected to my partner and be and being with the music. Mm-hmm. Then at my practica, I'm d- usually trying to do crazy things that I've never done before. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so the nice thing about tango is that there's always something new to learn. So even though you've had so much experience, Robin, what's what's something new that you've learned recently? It's new. There was something that was new to me. Okay. Uh, I mean, I would take class with him in Buenos Aires with this guy called Andres Laza Moreno. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he wanted me to not be forward at all, but to be absolutely straight up and always let the woman come to me, always let my partner come to me. Okay. And, and to, to roll the embrace. Mm-hmm. much more okay so his technique was new all right but it's that's not that's not new in tango i mean right that's just a different technique okay so have you been using and that lately? great for me have you, have you been using that a lot yeah. more okay great. i have yeah yeah okay Excellent. i'm trying to stand trying to stand up straight mm-hmm. now you've visited trying to sorry use my ankle trying to push off my push off the floor with my ankle mm. rather than necessarily using my knees. Ah, yeah. Okay. So you've visited many, many tango communities, Robin. So in, in your opinion, right, and yeah, and in your observations, what do the really effective communi- communities all have in common? Well, it really depends on what you mean by effective community. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I would, but I would think, there are different kinds. I would say there's different kinds of effective communities. Okay. Communities that are healthy, I guess. Um, my first answer would be they have a sense of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, in communities, people often eat together and they like each other mm-hmm. enough to spend time with each other outside of the malanga. Ah, yes. Um, or outside of the classes. Mm-hmm. So I think a really good example of that would have been Ann Arbor in its uh, golden age. Okay. When there was this um, really strong uh, student club. Mm-hmm. And before, whenever they, were, whenever they only did a few steps and it was very, uh, what was called at the time, Milongero. Okay. And, uh, but they were very, very, very community oriented, always going out to eat together. Mm-hmm. Um, they would all go big, go on road trips together ah. um, to different tango communities. Mm-hmm. What else is a nice tango community? And Portland's a lovely tango community. Mm-hmm. Portland's a lovely tango community, and they're all supportive of each other. I see. Yeah, I think like you said that that support, that supportive environment, and also 
um, yeah, just doing things together. You know, when you make friends, it's not just going to the malanga. You hang out. You have meals together. We're house malangas at each other's places, and that's that's always really nice. Yeah, yeah New York's really different because we're mm-hmm. not necessarily like that. Um, we don't necessarily all go out to eat afterwards because like, mm-hmm. we're New Yorkers and we're like busy and we need to go home and yeah. we need to go to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different kind of tango community, but I can't say it's not effective because it's pretty big and we've got a lot of good dancers. That's right. Okay, so what, uh, what future projects are you working on, Robin? Well, I just started teaching a class before my practica. Okay. And that's great. Get some new people into the practica. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to teach at more colleges mm-hmm. and I would like to, um, teach tango in Brooklyn or Queens, ah. get tango just out of, out of Manhattan. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember when I was living in New York, it was always Manhattan. Even I did, did hear a few places in the boroughs, but I would always stick to Manhattan, but it's, yeah, it's good to, to tap into that, that market. So where can we find more information about you online? Uh, <laughs> my website is still out of date and it's <laughs> completely my fault because I have somebody who would update it for me if I would give her any updates <laughs> I, um, I don't really know where you could get information about me online you could maybe just google me and things will pop up saying what I'm doing okay. my Facebook profile is probably the best place to find information okay or, or there simply isn't one. Okay. <laughs> Listening to this podcast is how you get information about me. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I do, I do have a web, I do have a website which is robinthomastango.com. Okay. Um, but it's not always up to date. Okay. Okay. So we'll go to the website and we'll Google you and find other ways of of getting up to date on on the latest from from Robin. <laughs> All right, Robin. Uh, thank you so much again for taking the time. Uh, it was really fun talking to you. Um, I know you have a super busy schedule, and it's great that you are uh, able to, to squeeze me in your, into your busy schedule. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Okay, Robin. Thanks again, and um, thank yeah, you. I'll be in touch. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Robin is a really fun character to be around. While I was living in New York, I'd see him around quite a bit, but never got much of a chance to talk to him until now. Now, he shared a neat anecdote about learning. A teacher in Buenos Aires gave him some important advice that didn't make sense for him until 10 years later. And stuff like that happens a lot when you're getting into tango. Inevitably, a teacher will tell you something that doesn't seem to make sense in the moment, Or maybe it does make sense conceptually, but doesn't materialize in your dancing right away. If that happens, don't worry. You're not a bad student. It means you're still growing. So keep working at it, and it'll click eventually. And it won't necessarily take 10 years for every new concept to sink in. So thank you again, Robin, for sharing your stories and your thoughts. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Joe's Tango Podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you're still listening, how would you like to win a brand new Amazon Echo Dot? Well, I'm giving one away, and here's what you need to do for a chance to win it. It's very easy. If you're enjoying this podcast, head over to iTunes or Stitcher, give Joe's Tango Podcast a good rating and a review, then click that subscribe button. Then email me a copy of the review so I can easily cross-reference it and remember to include your name in the email. I will put your name in a hat 
And on Valentine's Day 2018, I will pick a random winner from my hat, and that winner could be you. If it is you, I'll contact you to find out where to ship your prize. And you'll want to email your name and review to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, this is a brand new second generation Amazon Echo Dot. It is a very cool gadget and it also works as a Bluetooth speaker so you can listen to Joe's Tango podcast in style. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon.